0: Hey, everybody, welcome into the Film and Whiskey Podcast. I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we are back with another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. We were trying to get this bonus episode put together for a couple months here, but Brad, you know, it's challenging to coordinate getting a number of (laughs) whiskeys sent to you. Yeah,
1: it it can be difficult sometimes. People are sending it from all over the world, Yeah, Uh, and we are lucky enough to be trying two whiskeys today out of... Two distilleries
0: that I am just super jazzed to talk about, Bob. Yeah. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Uh, we're talking today about the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, the biggest spirits competition in the world. It's held every year in the city of San Francisco. We did an episode last year just out of San Francisco where we tried a number of brands who won either a gold or a double gold medal. We talked with the head blender at High Bank Distillery out of Columbus, Ohio. We we tried their whiskey war, which was just fantastic. I really loved that episode. And so this year, we've got another angle to look at San Francisco from. We've, we're bringing in Zach Johnston from Uproxx, a guy that is near and dear to our hearts after he ranked us as one of the 18 best whiskey podcasts uh, in the game right now. He was a judge at San Francisco this year. So we're going to bring him on to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a judge at these competitions Maybe some misconceptions that people have about what a whiskey or a spirits competition is like from the inside. Maybe pick his brain a little bit about what came out of that competition, which ones he was really excited about. And then we're jumping into, we have five whiskeys, Brad, three of which were in competition at San Francisco and won either a gold or a double gold. Can you give us a a, a quick little intro, Brad, of what's in store for us on the whiskey front? Absolutely delicious whiskey, Bob. (laughs) From whom? Oh,
1: we're talking about Two James Distillery out of Michigan. And we are talking about Warfield Distillery out of Ketchum, Idaho. Freaking Ketchum, Idaho,
0: man. Ketchum, I gotta catch them all. The thriving metropolis of Ketchum, <laughs> Idaho. Seriously, folks, uh, we got some fantastic whiskey in store for you. But before we get to that, we're going to hear from Zach Johnston. So we're going to throw over to that interview now. It, uh, you're in for a treat, everybody. Let's Let's give it a listen. All right, we are joined by Zach Johnston, who is the drinks editor at Up Rocks. Zach uh, recently came on our radar because he gave us a ton of love. We uh, we made we made a list of his of the best whiskey podcasts in the in the game right now. And I gotta say, like, it's a very weird position to be interviewing somebody that wrote nice things about you. But like, Zach, thank you so much, man. That was just a joy to wake up and read that one morning.
2: Well, it's uh, much deserved because there are so many whiskey podcasts out there guys. And, you know, it's, it's hard to break through, you know, the veneer and I come from a film background and you guys just make life very, very easy for me in the fact that you talk about film and whiskey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's also like, I love the focus as well. Like, you know, so many people do film reviews, so many people do whiskey reviews, but the fact that you guys kind of, you know, very smartly put it together where it's like hey we're going to talk about this movie in a very you know earnest way but also we're going to talk about a whiskey in a very earnest way you know you guys hit gold in my opinion
1: man that like zach that is
0: just hugely awesome to hear we we really appreciate that all right well as you can tell everybody we brought zach on to simply stroke our egos and not do anything else but uh you know as an olive branch I think it's time that we stroke his ego a little bit because Zach was recently a judge at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, the subject of today's episode. We're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a judge at San Francisco. But Zach, like, just set the mood here for our listeners. I want to talk a little bit about spirits competitions in general and why San Francisco has become kind of the marquee one. So, what's your involvement with San Francisco been? What's your involvement with other spirits competitions been? You know, for our, our audience who may not be super familiar with that process,
2: right? Uh, so, mostly San Francisco is kind of grandfathered in as the most iconic and respected uh, competition. Obviously, there are several others. Um, you know, the the Blue family, Amanda Blue, who runs them now, and her dad uh, specifically created it to be an inclusive sort of let's celebrate spirits sort of festival you know it's been going on for decades now and it became something that you know people really care about especially on the spirits side because they put the stickers on their bottles they put hangers on the necks from San Francisco more than pretty much anybody else at the end of the day and listen they they don't pay me I'm not an advocate for them I, I just judge with them Um, but because San Francisco became so huge, you know, there have been literally hundreds of imitators. Some of them are, you know, competitions that nobody ever hears about. Others are, they do, you know, international wine spirits and Fred Minnick's Ascot awards and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, world whiskey and et cetera, et cetera. These are all competitions that people really do care about. And I would argue that, like something like the Tonys or the Oscars or the Emmys, it focuses the consumer on brands that they may not have known about. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole point. That's why brands will pay 500 or 600 or $700 to enter their bottle expression, et cetera, into it to yeah. hopefully get a medal.
1: Yeah. And I'm very curious then as people who consume the products who win awards, you are somebody who gets to judge the products that win awards. And, And I love what you said earlier about how this was started as a celebration of spirits, you know, and we're here celebrating whiskey specifically. So like, I guess in a certain sense, it feels like to be a judge for the San Francisco World Spirits Competition you have to be somebody who celebrates the the spirit of choice that you're judging. So like do you feel like that is something that it takes to be a judge and and more broadly how did you become a judge for the, for the competition?
2: So first half of the question. Um I think there's a big misconception is like I'm a whiskey guy, I'm going to judge whiskey. That's not how any of these competitions work. All the competitions have you come in Sit around a table with three, four, five, or other six people. And if it's good competition, there's a whiskey person, a rum person, a wine person, uh, a, a person from distribution. So, like Total Wine or Reserve Bar, and maybe a, a, a person from media. And so every table judges. A, a whole slew of spirits. So it's like you start off with clear spirits, you start with vodka, maybe mm-hmm. you go to flavored gin, then you go to Baiju, then you go to some uh, you know uh, gold rum, then you go into some whiskey, and then you do some RGDs so that there isn't any bias. Because oh, interesting. if a whiskey person is like, oh, this whiskey is really good, you have to convince the other people around the table. Yeah. So none of these competitions puts whiskey people on the whiskey or vodka people on the vodka. And that's a kind of misconception that needs yeah. to be dispelled. Yeah. So to the second part, the, the reason I got on is basically because I've been writing whiskey reviews for almost seven years now. Um, you know, I have some respect in the industry. There are some people who are highly respected who are already judges who recommended me and said, hey, if you need a judge, Zach would be a good judge. Yeah.
0: All right. So going in on that a little bit more, Zach, you're the first person that we've had that could be called a, you know, a whiskey or a spirits journalist on our podcast. We've had movie critics on here before, but never spirits critics on here before. And I have to ask, like, in in the realm that you're currently in, how much of your position at UpRocks would you consider, like, having to be a spirits reporter of like keeping your ear to the ground and finding new things. And how much of it is being a spirits critic for lack of a better term.
2: That's interesting. I would say it's 50, 50. Mm-hmm. So I need to know what's going on at all times. I need to know if heaven Hill's putting out something random. I need to know who's buying out whom in the craft market. Like I need to know all these things. So I'm ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. And I also, I mean let's let's be honest, man. like I get sent all this that people get three months down the road, three months early. So I'm yeah. getting stuff six months before you do, yeah, um, as an average consumer. And I drink it and I have an opinion, and they, I put that opinion out according to a deadline right or an embargo. Right. That's just how it works, right? It's the same thing in film. It's the same thing in TV. It's the same thing in food. It's the same thing in cars. Right. So you live in a world where, okay, I'm on the media side and I have a certain amount of respect that I've earned through years and years and years of earning that respect. And so people send me things and I will review them and I will be honest. And I always, again, here's maybe a little insider thing, but I come from a point of view, if I don't like something, I just won't talk about it. I don't believe Mm. in being negative. Like one of the reasons that Steve Brabucci, who's my managing editor, and I got along so well was because we consider ourselves the (laughs) anti-vice. Like We don't have to hate things to get views. We can love things Mm. to get views. And so if I don't like something, I generally just don't talk about it. You know, I get sent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bottles and you know you can go to uprocks and see how much i write about yeah you know you can do the math
0: <laughs> yeah i mean and uh, like it, it's a perfect parallel to what we're talking about with san francisco today and i remember a few years back fred minnick did a really great article it was the year that henry mckenna won and and kind of blew everything open in <laughs> in the bourbon industry and he did this great kind of like pull back the curtain behind the scenes look at what it's like to judge at san francisco and uh and I that really just kind of opened my eyes to the world of the spirits competition. And so having now done it, Zach, and having judged it, uh, I assume many of these things before, but this year's San Francisco in particular, like whatever you are allowed to divulge. I mean, the awards have been pretty much handed out. There's still a couple more from the the single barrel categories and like the best in show. What were some of your favorites? What was maybe something that came across that you were surprised to see? Um I'd just like to hear, like, what made you keep talking 90 minutes after you left?
2: You know, I'm going to be very basic now because, again, like I I mentioned earlier, you know, we're we're not drinking only one thing. Like, we have a a whole different set of panels that we go through as judges. Amaro was a huge thing. Like, the Amaro panel I had, they were all just amazing because you have this, like, spicy sort of like dried fruits, yep, liqueur that just tastes good. Yeah. Um also we had a Calvados flight that was amazing. Mm. And then the Tennessee whiskey flight was phenomenal. Yeah. Because there's great stuff going on there. But you have to look at it this way. When I say all of that, when you have a flight put in front of you, you have to look at the parameters so the first thing you look at is does this flight or does sorry does this dram this pour, actually fulfill what it's promised so if you have a blueberry flavored London dry gin in front of you does it taste like a London dry gin that's flavored a blueberry or not and then it's like, okay, well, is the blueberry saccharine or bullshit, or does it actually feel like a blueberry? Yeah. And they're like, and then does it feel like a London dry gin? And then do I actually like it? Is it well made? And so you, there are there are steps to everything. It's not like, oh, somebody put a Tennessee whiskey in front of me. Does it taste like a Tennessee whiskey? Does it taste like a whiskey? Does it taste like a bourbon? You have to go through all these steps to actually figure out whether this is a quality drink or not because i think the biggest secret in all these competition is there's elimination as well there's bronze and silver and gold but there's also elimination and shit gets eliminated all the time because it just as there are many gold medals that go out to bourbon or vodka or gin just as much shit is eliminated wow because it's just not good <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not well made. It, it it it's you, and then you feel kind of bad because you're just like, oh, you know, you know, they tried so hard. You know, there's so many people behind you pushing for this brand, and you're just like, they they just miss the mark entirely, and yeah. you feel terrible. But it got it has to be eliminated.
0: No, that's I mean, honestly, that I think that's news to us because when you look at the sort of like outward facing stuff that that these competitions put out. It just kind of looks like, oh, if you enter, you get a bronze. you know what I mean? But that's because they're not just going to put everybody on blast and say, like, no, your stuff was just so bad that we didn't give you anything. They're not going to list the eliminated products. So, I mean, it makes sense. But uh, I think sometimes you do kind of run the risk as somebody that's just on the consumer side of looking at these competitions and thinking like, oh, everybody gets a
2: medal as long as they pay the fee. And look, guys, I'm going to give you a huge insider thing. And if I, if that pisses people off, I don't care at this point. (laughs) If you see a bronze medal, that means it wasn't eliminated, but it was fine. It was like, hey, you (laughs) made a vodka. Hey, you made a bourbon. Good for you. If you get a silver, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, that's nice. It's a bourbon. It's vodka. It's a gin. It's a baiju. You know, it's like, yeah, good. If you get a gold, it's like, oh, yeah, it's this is actually something that's interesting. It stood out from the rest of the, the panel. It's something it's like hey, you actually have some nuance. It took you on a journey. There's some stuff there. But to get a double gold or a double platinum, if you're in the yeah, Ascot Awards, everybody had to agree it's gold mm. Unanis- unanimously, but also anonymously. And then to go on to the best in show and the finalists and all that stuff, they have to you actually have to argue for that to go on to it. So for instance, there's a just as an example in San Francisco, there's a rainbow where someone said bronze, someone said silver, someone said gold. And the bronze person has to argue, it was like, well, why does this suck? The gold person has to argue, why is this great? And sometimes the gold person goes down, sometimes the bronze person goes up. Like is it there's no static in any of this. Like there's actual people who are from the industry from all facets of the, facets of the industry arguing about this stuff. Mm. And it's not always, it's never black and white, you know. And so I think that's the biggest misconception. It was like, oh yeah, we just throw golds out to, you know, all the brands who have big names. It's like, no, we don't. Yeah. Just look at San Francisco this year. How did Buffalo Trace do, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, Zach, I
0: think this is this is exactly like what we've been speculating about behind the scenes, but it's really nice to hear somebody say it. And Zach, like, I, I got to say, man, I, I appreciate your honesty. I love reading your work. Uh, we're going to wind down on this interview because it's time for Brad and I to drink through, uh, how many do we have, Brad? Like at least five whiskeys that uh, some of the gold and double gold winners have sent us to try? I was saying, I don't know if they're whiskeys as much as their experiences, Bob. There's stories <laughs> to be told. All right, I I want to keep Zach on just for a second though, because I think we should do something like what Zach has has suggested happens behind the scenes, Brad. Like we should drink through all these, and then at the end of the episode, I think we need to give out some like some medals and some levels of medals.
1: Yeah, I I'm totally in on that. And if it doesn't
0: come down to fisticuffs, then I don't know if we're doing it right. I just love the idea of like calling something like, Hey, you made a whiskey. <laughs> <And> like that's <laughs>
2: that's what you get, you know? But it's also true because sometimes you're just like, Hey, you did it.
1: Yeah. Yep. We have drank those whiskeys. <laughs> I'm I'm Listen, there with you.
0: We have also made those episodes, Brad. Like the you know, season one of film and whiskey yep. is like, Hey, yep. you uh you made a podcast. Good for you. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it takes time. It it took about uh three, four years for us to reach maturation. <laughs> We're just getting there. All right, Zach Johnston from Uprocks. Thank you so much for joining us today for setting the stage for this flight that we have in front of us. Uh,
2: where can people find you, Zach? So uh, obviously go to uprocks.com to find me every day. I put out two to three articles about whiskey or spirits there. Um. Also, you can find me on Instagram at ztpwhiskey, whiskey with an E <laughs> and uh, I'm generally posting the beautiful bottles. I am very, very privileged to drink on there, but otherwise, yeah, it's just uprocks.com. Awesome.
0: All right, Zach, we hope to have you back on again. You let us know when we hit stop here, we're going to ask you what your favorite movie is and we will bring you back on for that one again one of these days because it is just a joy to talk to you, man.
2: Uh, likewise, guys. Thank you so much. and. I uh, look forward to the future of the show.
0: All right, Brad, it is time for us to drink some whiskey. We want to say thanks again to Zach Johnston for talking with us and giving us a little peek behind the curtain of San Francisco. But, Brad, we've been sent some whiskeys by some gold and double gold medal winning distilleries that want to get their name out there. Like they just won this huge award. They want us to try them. They want us to give them a little bit of a shout out. Uh, we actually have a couple distilleries that agreed to send us product that kind of missed the deadline here for this episode. So in the future, we're going to be highlighting Hood River distillers and their phenomenal McCarthy's single malts. We're going to do a whole episode with Hood River. We actually have one that's coming in from, I believe, Denmark, Brad, that's called Stounding oh. Whiskey. Uh, I'm really excited for that Uh, you know it it takes a while to get here in the post as they say uh, (laughs) all the way from you know the continent of Europe so we will have those ones at a future time right now we're focusing on two distilleries we've got Warfield distillery which is based in Ketchum Idaho and we've got Two James distillery which is based in Detroit Michigan. I think Brad that we should start with the two James and we are gonna be drinking three different Ryes from them, one of which is called their Catcher's Rye. <laughs> do you get it? Do you get so, that name? I don't I don't think I do, Bob. Can you explain it to me? I can't. Did you ever read Catcher in the Rye? I did. I did not like that book. Catcher in the Rye is one of the books that I pretend like I read. Yeah you know what I mean I feel like everybody has a list of like at least five books that they like they know enough about that they can BS their way around having read mm-hmm. it. I've never read Catcher in the Rye. It does not sound appealing to me, but I can pretend like I read it. The big thing for me was that
1: I remember reading it, and then in class they were all talking about how he's in an insane asylum. Mm. And I just remember being like, where the F did you get that? I
0: don't think that's part of the book.
1: No, literally, they're like, it's on the first page. And I I read it again, and I'm like, I can kind of see how you might think that, but it is not explicit in every way. But everybody, (laughs) including my teacher, was like, Brad, this is very obvious. And I'm like, I I guess I just missed the boat. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I think that always kind of set me uh, against Catcher in the Rye.
0: <laughs> but we're not against Two James Distillery. All right. We are trying their Catcher's Rye. Now, again, this one double gold in the rye category. This is a 100% rye mash bill made from uh, on their website. They say at 100% Michigan rye. It's aged for at least two years. So it, it would be a straight rye whiskey. Uh, two years is like a little bit not a red flag. Right. But it's it might be young. But as we know, rye matures faster than corn does. Uh, so you're more likely to have a well-rounded rye at two years than you are a bourbon. Brad, you've already tried this. I'm pouring it out live. So while I pour, why don't you give us some initial tasting notes on this? The nose has some
1: really beautiful mm. grainy rye going on. yeah. And for me, it was mixed with
0: like a grape and vanilla f- scent mm-hmm. that I really, really liked. This is one of those, one of the few ones that I can say distinctly, like I, I get what you're saying and I'm getting some of that grapeiness as well, but uh, it smells dusty, but it tips even farther into leather for me. Like this is straight like, well-worn leather. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I'm, like,
1: super impressed with what they're doing so far. Uh, when you get into the palate, I will say this is a little bit on the thin side, uh, but you get all those really nice mm. rye flavors, and for me, it almost, the grape notes almost turn citrusy, mm-hmm. uh, almost like a
0: grapefruit or an orange. Yeah, this has a lot of, like, old-fashioned vibes going on for me. Yeah, man, it's really, really nice. You're right. It's a little bit of a thin mouthfeel, but it packs a punch when you go to swallow. It really makes itself known. It's not astringent, uh, but it's definitely chest warming. It clocks in at ninety eight point eight proof. Brad, one thing that I, I found really interesting about what Zach was saying was that. They don't just like group whiskey people together to review whiskeys. It's like a ton of people from different backgrounds that sit at a table and they're given a flight. And so you might have like a gin person there and a whiskey person there and whatever. And I feel like, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but what that kind of signaled to me was that whiskeys that are likely to win gold or double gold are not necessarily whiskeys that are only going to impress whiskey people. Right? Like, it's going to be a crowd pleaser. It's going to be something that a tequila person or a gin person or even a vodka person could pick up and appreciate. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like barrel strength, you know, fighting <laughs> through as you grit your teeth to enjoy it. And I think this really fits the bill there. Like, it has a lot of complexity going on, it is a little bit of a thinner mouthfeel, but this is just a darn good rye. And it really does kind of taste like an old fashioned in a glass to me. Bob, the, the more we drink
1: rye, the more they just cement themselves as my favorite whiskey.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I I just think that there's so much complexity that comes out of a rye, and you get so much spiciness and and just interesting flavors that can pair with really nice, sweet, traditional, you know, bourbon flavors. So, I yeah, this catcher's rye is really impressive. I, I would probably give it like a 36, 37 out of 50.
0: Oh, yeah, I think I'd probably give it a little bit higher than that. This is approaching a 40 for me. I think sometimes we forget, Brad, because we drink so much barrel-proof whiskey that, that like, we get something in the 90s, and we're like, what is this water, you know? <laughs> this this has a lot of character, and at 98.8 proof, it's like a perfect, you could sip it neat, you can sip it on a rock, you could put it in a cocktail, and I think it would really do all three of those things very well. Well, how about we get into their next uh, expression, their vermouth rye yeah so they actually sent us two more kind of experimental ryes to try um, and and what I love about that is they were like hey you want to try our double gold medal winning one that's awesome but try these other two as well and so like something tells me that there might be something in each of these ryes that we like even more than the catchers rye
1: yeah th- this vermouth rye for me it stood out I-, I think it was a little bit better than what they were th- what they had in the catchers. Uh, For me, the nose had all sorts of vanilla and caramel. And then on kind of the back end of the nose, once I sat with it for a little while, all the rye grains came out and mixed with these really nice tobacco notes
0: that just created a really interesting nose that I really love. Yeah, Brad. So I'm really interested to try this one because... We got a bottle from them and it is a bottle that someone hand wrote on like just for us. And it says Vermouth rye and 119 underneath it. So I'm assuming it's 119 proof. However, all I can find online about their Vermouth rye is that they they did a version of their catcher's rye that they finished in a Vermouth barrel. And I'm assuming that's what this is. But this seems to be the barrel proof version of that. Uh, So you've tried it. Do you think it's 119 proof? It did come across a little
1: thicker on the mouthfeel, so so I, that would make me think it's a little bit higher-proofed, but I, I honestly couldn't tell you for sure, Bob.
0: Oh, damn. Well, that's good. <laughs> wow! I,
1: I told you, Bob, this Vermouth Rye is just fantastic.
0: Listen, I liked the Catcher's Rye a lot. This is just a better product. I mean, this is yeah. like... It's creamy. There's, You're right. There's just a thickness to the mouthfeel. It really coats the palate in a way that the catcher's ride didn't quite do. Wow. This is dang, dude. This is really good. I can't even I'll, say words in English right now. I need you to vamp for me while I drink this.
1: Yeah. This is easily like a 45 out of 50. Oh, my God. <laughs> like
0: San Francisco. One... Where's the metal for this bad boy? <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is as we were talking about the catchers, I was like, yeah, this is like solid, it's pretty good, but in my in the back of my head, I was like, just wait, man, we're about to have this vermouth and oh my gosh, is it beautiful. Uh you know, on the palate, I'm getting just really beautiful caramel, like you said mm-hmm. it's very creamy. The rye spiciness suffuses it throughout the entire experience. Yeah. And then for me, it's got little bits of leather and tobacco and and, and just more savory notes that rounded it out it, uh, this is complex it is decadent there is everything going on that i want to go on in a rye uh to james you're
0: freaking killing it this tastes like a barrel bourbon that is actually made from rye grain <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, i love barrel bourbon this has the flavor profile i usually pick up in most batches of barrel bourbon holy crap dude this is fantastic <laughs> yeah yeah man All right, so we've got one more to drink. This is called their French Connection Rye, which, I mean, Brad, film and whiskey podcast, calling something the French Connection. Gene Hackman, let's go. Gene Hackman. Uh, This is created by finishing their 100% Michigan Rye in French brandy casks. Mm. All right, so we got a little vermouth finish. We got a little French uh, brandy cask finish here. Brad, you've tried it. I'm going to go in for a nose and a sip. Uh, Why don't you give us your notes on this? Bob, this one is like Ooh. just wildly different than our first
1: two expressions from Two James. To me, it really has like a powerful gin nose.
0: It's definitely much more. Yeah, it's not quite juniper for me, but it definitely has a lot more citrus. It, like if there is a grape character to it, it's a lot more of like a sour, bitter grape on the nose. It's kind of like a pine, mm, okay. like a, like a
1: foresty flavor. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm digging it though. Yeah, it, it is incredibly well-made. I don't know, Bob. There's just a certain point in your whiskey tasting journey where you can just tell a high-quality product. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even if you don't always care for the flavor, the, you can tell you're like, oh, that's a good whiskey. It's just not up my alley. Yeah, yeah. This is a really good whiskey that's like halfway up my alley. I, like, I like it. I enjoy it. I don't know if I'd pick it up all the time. But this is a really daggone good whiskey, Bob.
0: Brandy finishes are real hit or miss for me. And like even the uh, the barrel seagrass, which is like your favorite whiskey of all time. Like they have they finish some of it in Martinique rum casks, but some of it is finished in apricot brandy casks. And I think that's pretty good. Uh, we've also had some apple brandy cask finishes before. And like it's kind of a crapshooter. Are you going to get the apple or are you going to get some of that kind of brandy funk that goes on with it? And this one really toes the line. I think you're right. There's definitely some gin kind of piney juniper notes going on in here. I like it a lot. It's definitely the most uh, prickly on the tongue. Like, it's it's very spicy. I think that I probably prefer the vermouth rye to this just because it's more of an easy sipper.
1: Yeah, the, that vermouth rye is easily one of the top three or four
0: ryes I've ever had. This tastes like it was made by, like, the Willet. Like, it's got a floral thing going on, too. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little bit funky. It reminds me of the Rowan's Creek we just had a few few weeks ago, but the rye Ooh, version of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good comparison, Bob. All right. So that was two, James. Thank you so much for sending us a bonus whiskeys. I always like it when we get bonus whiskeys. Bonus whiskeys. We need to jump over to Idaho and visit Warfield Distillery, who is making American single malts. So we're jumping from the world of rye Ooh. into the world of American single malts, and we are trying their uh, organic American single malt, which won a gold medal, and then we're also trying their finished single malt, which won a double gold medal. So let's just start with the the baseline offering here from Warfield. Brad, have you ever been in the great state of Idaho? I have not
1: I've never been there. Is that one of the places you went through on your uh, honeymoon? I absolutely
0: did. So my wife and I took a road trip for our honeymoon. We took two weeks. We drove from Cleveland all the way to Seattle, up into Vancouver, back down into uh, Portland, cut across to Denver and took Route 80 all the way the rest of the way home. So we spent a little bit of time in Idaho. Idaho's dope. People sleep on Idaho, man. (laughs) Uh, Boise, really cool town. I yeah I, I can't speak for Ketchum, Idaho. I don't know if we were ever in Ketchum, but uh, Idaho was very beautiful. The people were great. Well, my but, second question then would be, what was the uh, burger you got there? So uh, <laughs> uh, for context, my wife and I took this road trip and I found an article that was the best burger in every state. And if we were going anywhere near... The burger that was listed in this article, we would stop off and get the burger. So we probably had like 14 burgers <laughs> during our honeymoon <laughs> in, in Idaho. We weren't I don't think we could hit the place that they recommended. So we got off the highway in Boise and we went to this place called Boise Fry Company. And mm. the whole gimmick was like. Uh, burgers are on the side. Like the star of the show is the fry, and they had uh, they had I see fries. What you did there? Yeah, they had fries made from like eight different kinds of potatoes, and then they had like a whole different, like like fifteen different ketchups you could dip them in, made from different things. It was really really cool. The burger was fantastic. I got a bison burger. Yeah, man. Free free publicity for Boise Fry Company. <laughs> if you're out there, I'll tag you on Instagram. Uh, next time I'm in Boise, you just hook me up with some more burgers, and we'll call it good. Yeah, the uh, the Idaho Tourist Board should also be thanking you, Bob. <laughs> All right, man, we have uh, we've spun our tires enough here. I've poured out this American single malt, Brad. What are you picking up on this thing? Uh, the nose here is like really, really
1: nice. Oh, it's man. got some green apples. It's vanilla. There's honey uh, and a tiny bit of pear. I- I'm picking up. It's a really nice malted whiskey. Mm-hmm. Like like you can tell that this is not imitating
0: any other american whiskey you've ever had but it's also not imitating scotch it's got a lot more caramel on it than scotch normally does like it's got that malt underlying it but it kind of smells like a bowl of um not malto meal like what's that called the um <laughs> cream of wheat no it's got like that weird looking frog on the front of it it's like these caramely little barley pops honey smacks. honey smacks yeah it's yeah, got a little smacks. bit of that going on i really like it a lot yeah, I. it's a
1: really interesting nose. The palate, for me, the pear really came through. Um, and then there was some of that apple. And then it was very grainy and malty
0: um, with a little bit of like leather going on. It, it's a really interesting palate. I feel like this would be like the, the best introduction to like, hey, you want to try scotch? Let's stop off and catch them Idaho first. <laughs> the front half of this palette is just straight caramel for me, like really beautiful, like dark brown, sugary, almost mapley notes. And then the back end is like, hey, this is what malt tastes like. I think this is like mm-hmm. it, it's really easy to drink. In fact, it it almost runs the risk of being a little too thin and a little too not watery. But there's just like the ethanol, the ethanol never makes itself known. Like I don't really get much of a burn after I swallow. There's not a lot of a finish beyond just like a pretty basic malt flavor that's left behind. But that's not a bad thing. Like, I think this would be seriously a really good bridge for someone who is like trying to get from the world of bourbon into the world of single malts.
1: Yeah, honestly, Bob, this one kind of reminds me of the Dalmore 12 we had a few weeks Mm -hmm. back. Uh, and for me, the, what reminded me of it was I feel like there's a, just a little bit of like a sour, bitter orange flavor hmm. on the back end that I'm not like super jazzed about. Like, like the nose and the palate was really nice, but it kind of soured at the end. Uh, and I don't know if that's just like the maltiness coming through. Um, but it does remind me that Delmore 12,
0: uh, I like this a was, lot better than the Delmore 12. Like the Dalmore, I remember having a, a lot of spiciness and kind of astringency to go along with yeah. that bitterness. This one, like it does tip into a little bit of like the, the multi bitterness, but there's so much sweetness left over on the front of my palate that I feel like it, it actually balances it out really well. This is, this is a darn good whiskey.
1: Yeah, I'm really impressed with what we're getting out of Warfield so far. And honestly, I'm like even more pumped to try their Madeira finished.
0: Yeah, so we're taking a step up from a gold medal winner to a double gold medal winner. This is the same whiskey as far as I can tell. It's just been finished in Madeira casks. Again, Brad, you've tried it. I'm pouring it out right now. Give us a couple notes on it.
1: This one has a fantastically interesting nose. Uh, There's orange, there's cinnamon, there's caramel. I mean, there there's just some really nice, sweet and savory notes going on here,
0: Bob. Yeah. This one's aged for four years before it's finished in Madeira casks. And you're right. It's it's almost got like basically what we just had from 2 James, right? Like the, the baseline rye was really good. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, hey, let's throw it in a vermouth barrel and see what that does to the nose and the taste. Like I can't quite pick out a lot on the nose that would distinguish it as a finished product but it just—you can tell there's like a depth there, a complexity there's a, it's there. It's complexity, yeah. yeah. But like it's—it's. It's, I, I hate to say it like this. It's complex in an almost nondescript way. Like I can't pick out individual <laughs> things here, but it's just like, oh, this has way more going on. Even if I can't pinpoint them. Yeah, and and for me that
1: continues on into the palette. There, mm-hmm. there's caramel. There is honey. There's orange. There's vanilla. It, it's yep. a little bit creamy. This is just a
0: really nice, smooth experience. So there's a there's a product that a lot of people put in cocktails called orange blossom water, and it is like a really heavily concentrated thing. And, and a lot of cocktails, they'll legitimately only call for like a drop or two of it. This has I don't want to say citrus on it. Like orange is a great note, but it's definitely more of like an orange blossom or there's something that's like it. it suggests orange, but it's not orange peel. You know what I mean? I like immediately when this hit my tongue, I was like, oh, this is like orange blossom. Really, really nice, man. It rounds out some of the rougher edges that were on the baseline version of this. Yeah,
1: the, the bitterness and sour notes that I kind of got at the end of their baseline offering yeah. are gone on this one. Mm-hmm. It it finishes with that orange flavor, but it, it's malty and vanilla-y and just delicious. Yeah, this this one is definitely a step up. And, you like, Bob, I think this is the clearest example of, like, why a whiskey would win gold and
0: then why this whiskey would win double gold. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, Brad, so maybe we should give out some medals here based on what Zach told us, that a bronze medal just means, hey, you made a whiskey. A silver medal is like, it was okay. A gold medal is, this is good. This is really good, and I would recommend it to people. And a double gold is like, everybody at the table agrees they would recommend this to somebody. Let's just take the three that actually were in competition at San Francisco before we consider the other, like the bonus whiskeys from 2James. Uh, So this catcher's rye from two James, Brad, if you had to give it a medal, what level medal would you give it? Mm, I think I'd give it a gold. I would too. And I think that's what it won. It won a gold. I would give it a gold. It's a good whiskey. Um, If you are looking for something like if you're a whiskey drinker and you have drank 200 ryes and you're looking for something that's going to knock your socks off, that's not what this is, but that doesn't mean it's not a well-made whiskey.
1: Yeah, it's in, it's eminently high quality and gives you everything you're looking for. And it does have a bit of a, a unique experience. I, I've not had many ryes that give off those grape flavors that the catcher's rye did. So, yeah, two James definitely would be a gold.
0: What do you think about Warfield's baseline offering? So this is an organic American whiskey. Brad, I'm going to be honest with you. like. There was a definite jump up from this to the finished version, but for what this is, if we're comparing it to other single malts, I actually would probably give this a double gold. I think this is fantastic. Like I really loved the, like the marrying of those kind of American bourbon flavors on the front of the palate with the maltiness on the back of the palate. This one worked for me. I think maybe slightly more than it did for you.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, honestly, Bob, I think I'd give this a silver.
0: Wow. Wow. So I, we'd, I we'd average this... out to a, a gold, basically. Yeah. Yeah, we would. Oh, all right. All right. So then we're getting into the Madeira finish from Warfield. This is not my preferred like flavor profile, but it definitely added depth and complexity to it. I'd give it a gold for sure. Brad, what would you give it? I think I'd give
1: it a gold. Yeah. The, like This was a really solid offering that was much more unique and had a better overall balance. And so, yeah, I think this is a really impressive
0: offering from Warfield that I'd give a gold to. We've got two bonus whiskeys from Two James. Uh, The French Connection, I think we both probably agree, is uh, the the lesser of the two of the bonus whiskeys. I still think it's really good. Uh, Based on my own flavor preferred profile, I'd probably call it like a silver. But like just objectively, it's a gold for sure.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it's gold quality. I think I'd be with you though, personally. I'd probably give it a silver, um, recognizing that it is a high quality whiskey. Uh, Bob, this vermouth isn't just double gold. Uh,
0: it's it. It would be up for best in show. Yeah, this this vermouth <laughs> rye. I cannot explain. Uh, if you are within two James uh, distribution. Area And Ohio is not right now. But like if you're in Michigan, I think they distribute into Indiana. You can find their distribution on their website. The vermouth rye is like next level. Good.
1: Yeah, it it is utterly spectacular. I I'm going to be
0: up in Michigan on a trip here soon and I might be trying to find a bottle of it. All right. Well, we want to say thank you again to Warfield and to two James for providing the samples for today's episode. We hope this was informative. We love doing this. We're going to try to do one every year. We did it last year. We did it this year. We're going to try to keep the ball rolling after San Francisco. Bob, I just have
1: so enjoyed doing these San Francisco World Spirits Competition episodes. Me too, man. Like, it's just been a blast to dive into the world of competitive whiskey and to understand it a little bit better, to start to understand the judging process. And let's be honest, man, having somebody
0: like Zach on the on the show is just a treat. All right, we will be back with another bonus episode to keep you uh, satiated between seasons here. So be on the lookout for our season six selection show coming up soon. But until then, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time.